talking about God's highest thought for his people. We find it in the Old Testament in the type of Zion. We see this in Psalm 132 verse 13. For the Bible said, For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his habitation. Chosen. Talk about a word that is full of meaning. We must understand that Zion represents a spiritual condition of Jerusalem. A spiritual condition of God's people. A condition that is brought to its fullness and its full intention in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose body, whose dwelling place, whose city we are. Yet have we come in our hearts. Oh yes, Hebrews 12.22 says, But you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. You are come, you have come to Zion. But is Zion the contemplation of our heart? Is Zion the solemnity of our souls? Have you find rest in Zion? Psalm 132, 13 to 14, he said, He has desired it for his habitation. This is my rest forever. Here will I dwell, for I have desired it. God says, I have desired it. Do you really think that God's highest intention, the thought and desire for his people is less than his desire for himself? Do you really think that God desired to be in one place and it's in one place and Ours is in another place. Do you really believe that is the point and present condition of salvation? Do you believe that is the intent of God? It is the habitation of God. This is my rest. I have desired it. This is Zion, the place that we have come. The place where we are. The place where we are seated. We are in Zion, the city. We are the city of God. Thank you, Jesus. Salvation by faith. Now, Galatians chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible said, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which shall afterwards be revealed. We must come to see our full salvation, which is salvation by faith. And consequently, we have to come to understand what faith is. In Romans 10, 17, the Bible says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The word of God there is Rema. In this setting, Rema is understood to be that which has been uttered by the living voice. It is speaking that which we have both heard and seen in the face of the Son of God. Jesus said, 
the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father who dwelleth in me. He also said, I speak to the world those things which I've heard of him. So the true Rema is speaking with words that we have heard and seen in the living word was revealed in us. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. It is not just somebody getting excited and saying that is the realm of God. You know, name and claim it, memorize it and do it. No, that is not Rema. It is the voice of the living word and it is you speaking. It is our preaching and our teaching, but not in the wisdom of man's words, but that wisdom which is of God through the revealing of his son. Because whatever has been hidden is revealed in his son. It is not revealed anywhere else. It is revealed in his son who is in you. So out from that, you could say Paul's words were Rema when he said in Galatians 1, 15 to 16, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me and that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Faith cometh by hearing. Moreover, as surely as faith cometh by hearing, and it does, there must be that hearing. Faith is perfected, brought to completion by seeing. You must, you must see what you hear. The hearing is for the turning of our hearts. You are not going to see except you believe what you hear. You are not going to see the word until uh, or while you are still arguing with, with him. You are not going to see the word while you are being disobedient to him. People ask me all the time, why can't God reveal his son in me? Have you heard? Are you obedient to that which you have heard? For there must be the hearing. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Then Peter starts talking about the end of our faith in and first Peter chapter 1, verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. First Peter um, verse 1. I'm sorry, verse first Peter, I think I believe, chapter 1, verse 13. Wealth, get up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Not only that, John, having heard the word, believed the word that he, he heard, embraces the word that he heard, or he will not have seen the word that he heard, the voice that he heard. It is in the seeing that the soul is transformed. It is in the hearing that our hearts turn to see. Believing, but there is a very real danger in hearing and then not turning to see because that opens up for the imagination of our heart. We visualize in our imagination what is, what is it that we heard. And I want to tell you, the center of our imagination 
is always us. Therefore, we take what we heard and we try to make application of it to ourselves. We use the right words, but we see the wrong man. Christ reveals is the end or goal of our faith. Having the mind of Christ is the goal of faith. But in Galatians 3, verse 23 to 26, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which shall afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. There is a synonymous relationship here between faith, which shall be revealed, and Christ, bringing us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, for you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Sonship is a realization that can only come in the face of the Son. Union with the Father is something that can only come in the face of Him who is the one with the Father, who is the Word of the Father who in fact is the revelation of the Father. That's just a fact. The word children in verse 26 should be translated as sons because it is speaking of a, a relationship. Faith is always bound up with a relationship. I quiver when I hear the world and the worldly church throw the term around of what faith are you. I'm, a, I'm of, of the Baptist faith, I'm of the Pentecostal faith. We communicate that way with one another. I say, oh God, and I pray the Lord will give me utterance to speak clearly, more clearly the truth as it is in Christ. We are to be of the faith of the Son of God. This apostle only had words with which to communicate the word it is important how we translate words because hearing comes first. Faith comes by hearing. If you're not hearing the words of faith, if you don't have the hearing of faith, you're not going to see Christ. You will go into the imaginary world of illusion and you will dream up an imaginary object of what you have heard. Then when you hear that word, you will see what imaginary thing or that imaginary place. You will relate it to that imaginary concept in year past, when people used to do uh, Bible conferences, you'll see people, everybody, all jumping up and down. And however, that usually does not happen when you are seeking Christ. Generally, you are falling on your face saying, Oh God. Yet when when, when they will share in their sharing service on what, I, what uh, has been said, it was as if, they have not even seen or they were not even in the same building. John chapter 16 verse 12 I still have many things to say to you but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. 
Jesus says that he has many more things to say, but the disciple cannot bear them now. If you are like me, you have probably read before and thought that he meant that the disciple could not handle any more, or maybe that he would like to share, but they will not understand it right now. But that's not what the Greek word translated bear means. It doesn't mean handle or understand. It actually means bear. It means they could not bear in themselves, carry, put on, walk in the thing that Jesus desired to speak to them. The problem was not really that they could not understand. I'm sure that was also true, but they had not understood anything he said up to this point. The reason Jesus did not share more with them was because they could not bear in themselves. They could not carry in their soul. They could not put on the reality of the things that he wanted very much to share with them. And so he remains silent and promises that the spirit of truth will come and work to that end. I want you to see something in this. This is something extremely important. I want you to see that God's communication with you and revelation to you is according to whatever you can bear. And like Jesus, I don't mean it's according to what you can understand or handle learning. I mean, what is going to show you only what you can bear in yourself, what you can put on, what you will take uh, take of him in exchange for something of you. There's no other reason for him to tell you anything. I hope you can hear the distinction here. God does not communicate with you in order to teach you things. God does not communicate with you in order to teach you things. Every natural mind assumes that he does, but every natural mind is wrong. In fact, God does not often answer our questions. Have you noticed that? Do, do you have some questions which probably you have been waiting on for years? You, you are likely to, to, to keep on waiting because God rarely answers questions. At least not with information. And part of the reason for this is often that our questions are born out of darkness and have no answer that truth can really communicate. We don't understand what we are asking. In other words, truth destroys most of our questions instead of answering them because there was not anything real about them to begin with. There are questions in our hearts only because there is darkness in our hearts where the questions appear to have relevance. So those of you who have uh, uh, young children, uh, they keep on asking a lot of questions that don't have answers because the questions themselves are expressions of ignorance. The questions don't make sense or they come out totally wrong, out of a, a wrong way of thinking. Sometimes the best that you can do for these questions that come out of, of ignorance is just to try to change the subjects and get him, uh, the kids think about something else. But more often, I suppose, God does not answer our question because it will accomplish absolutely nothing at all if he did. Think about this with me. Let's say I wanted to answer a question um, about Cal uh, uh, maybe uh, Calvinism or Arminianism, 
What will it actually accomplish if they did? Let's just imagine for a moment that one of those men, man-made theological boxes was more right than the other. What will it accomplish if God told you which one was more correct? What did that do for you? What did that do for God? Maybe somebody can say, well, now I can teach it correctly. Okay, to what end? Or maybe you want to know why your great-uncle died of a heart attack or what the ten-horned beast stands for in the book of Revelation. We actually think that there is value in knowing correct information. We think it is valuable, simple, because it's true, wrong. It's valuable to you and to God only to the extent that you can bear the truth. God does not teach you your soul for any other reason except that you bear in yourself, you carry in your soul, and be conformed to the image of whatever of Christ is communicating. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter um, 1 uh, verse 17. The Bible says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Have you ever stopped to think what this verse is telling us? Paul is telling us that if the gospel of Jesus Christ is relegated to mere true words, to learning true words, wise words, right understanding, right doctrine, if the gospel is anything less than the bearing in yourself of the living word and experiencing his death and, and the experience of his resurrection, then we have nullified the word of God. We have made the gospel of no effect. But how do we nullify the word of God? It's quite simple. You'll do it quite naturally. You'll do it without thinking. And it takes to think that believing words is the same as bearing the word. All it takes to think that loving true teaching is the same as living the truth. We as the body of Christ are so used to a nullified gospel, a non-effectual gospel, that we often don't even know the difference. We don't even know what to compare to. We are so accustomed to the powerlessness of true words that we don't even realize that the gospel of the cross is the literal power of God to work resurrection life into the soul. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 said, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. But in order for this to happen, the word of the cross needs to find room in your soul. Not words about the cross. The hearing of the word, the word that seeks place in your heart. John chapter 8 verse 37. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. In order for Christ to fill you with himself, there must be not just a desire to know true things, but a desire to bear in yourself the decrees or the decrees that truth demands. 
God will show you only what you can carry. God will reveal his word when he finds a place that gives its room. You have to understand that God is not trying to convince you of something. That's not what he teaches us. He is trying to turn us into something. He's not trying to educate you. He's not trying to transform. True Christian education is the learning of Christ himself as the soul bears his death and resurrection. Every other kind of Christian education must either have that as its goal or as just learning words. So God speaks and shows and reveals only where truth has room to remain in you. He speaks where truth can fill up an area of your soul where room has been made, where flesh has been exposed, turned from and hated. You have to come to hate what fills your soul in order to have room for something else. Jesus said, unless a man hate his own life, he cannot be my disciple. His words and truth are always available and always seeking to find room. But Christ will be heard, but not perceived, seen, but not known, until there is a room in us to know him. How often did Jesus say, let him who has an ear hear, or you have ears and don't hear, eyes but don't see. Truth does not appear next to our ideas. Truth appears instead of our ideas. It does not even fit with what we we have thought it replaces what we have thought and god knows that what we we can bear god knows the difference between spiritual curiosity and a heart that desires to bear his fullness he always shows us what we can bear the way that god fills us as paul mentions in ephesians chapter 4 is by causing our soul to bear in itself his living word he reveals his son in us and that son takes his rightful place in the territory of our soul. And in that way, his kingdom has increased. In that way, he expands the borders of Israel. He fills us even as he filled up the land one city at a time. And always by destroying what was formerly there. Hallelujah, hallelujah.